As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers to preserve those for posterity and sometimes for historical value. So if you think this project is something that you'd like to be involved in and maybe you have a grandparent or a parent that you'd like to capture on audio while you can, please do get in touch. You can find out more at onrecordmemories.co.uk. Hello, you have got Anna with you today for this episode of Ob Farm. I'm in windy East Lothian and uh, this week we are talking about the value to three different sectors of forming a co-op and working together. Later in the episode we visit and we went in person and I can attest that it's magnificent, the Meginch Castle outside Perth where we will be speaking to people from both the apple and the cheese sectors and uh, their producer co-op groups. Cheesemakers in Scotland are a small elite group. <laughs> I like to think it's quality, not quantity. But between us, in Scotland, we can offer a superb range of cheeses. And the whole idea about getting together as a, as a group is to shout about that and help to get that message out there. I think that is the main thing, is to get it out there that we can probably grow all of Scotland's apple needs in Scotland to get people realising that and to eating Scottish apples and uh, looking for brand um, grown in Scotland, Mark. This episode, supported by SAOS, is all about the value of cooperation and collaboration in these three sector groups. Before we get to apples and cheese, we first go to flowers. Now, you might not always think of cut flowers as being a Scottish product, like you might do for, say, lamb or beef. But the Flowers Grown in Scotland co-op is going from strength to strength. Hi, I'm Valerie Orr. I'm one part of the team at Blooming Bees over at Forfar in Scotland. We're growers of seasonal cut flowers and uh, I'm also uh, a beef and sheep farmer as well. Wow, so um, you're a busy a busy lady. Um, so maybe maybe your business should be busy bees as well as blooming bees. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've been told that from time to time. <laughs> And so um, you are a member of the Flowers Grown in Scotland group. And I wonder if you could just tell me a bit about that group and how it came about and uh, why you're involved in it. Yes, it was came about through there was um, eight finding members come together and it was to try and join together the, the growers across Scotland and come together to see how we can work together as a group and that has led then to the form the group coming together flowers grown in scotland where we have now opened up our membership to other growers across across the country in people's consciousness this is quite new isn't it really because for a while we've been conscious of oh you know i'd I'd much rather eat scotch beef than beef that's come from overseas likewise i'd much rather have a scottish tatty on my plate um but would it be fair to say that most people haven't really had flowers on their agenda until much recently? Absolutely. I mean, it's sort of just seen as an item folk add to their supermarket trolley, but they maybe don't realise 
that they've maybe flown halfway across the world. I don't have the exact figures, but certainly at one point it was nearly 90% of all flowers sold in the UK were imported from abroad. It's about spreading that message about, well, it's not just about your food on your plate, it's any other produce. Think about where it's come from and uh, and buy locally. Some people might think, gosh, that you you're actually, you, you're all trying to sell flowers. Are you not in competition with each other? You know, why why are you actually collaborating and, and working together? Um, so what are the benefits that you've seen since you came together for, for your business in, in terms of working with these other growers? Firstly, it, it is that getting the message out there to people that this is an industry in Scotland, you know what I mean? So and they can then find their local grower and support them and choose to choose locally grown flowers. Also for us, it's roots to market. We are competing against a very well-established um, Dutch market where flowers go through the Dutch wholesalers or on a, on a, a, a lorry overnight to the hot distribution hubs and florists can just uh, click a button and get any flower that they want. Whereas for us, trying to get our products to market and into those floors over a, quite a vast geographical area in Scotland is difficult so as growers we're working together to overcome those barriers it's it's, it's we're still a work in progress that task but we certainly have um, made progress with some of the wholesalers and, and different things and also as a group of growers we don't all grow the same flowers so there's the men that like for sales we have lots of chrysanthemums at the minute whereas most growers as it's seasonal flowers their season has finished now so we have actually been selling a lot of flowers to fellow growers to extend their season and their offering to their customers likewise we have say brought in a peony season uh, we don't grow peonies but there's a, a uh, a great grower of peonies in Lawrence Kirk and J- McWilliams and so we collaborated with them and brought peonies in uh, to, to add peonies to our offering. So uh, it all works, us all working together. Yeah, so actually it's, it's kind of the opposite of competition, isn't it really? It's, it's collaboration and helping fill gaps in each other's production to meet what the market's looking for. So actually you probably couldn't thrive as well as you do without the other people in the group. Exactly, exactly. And, and it's also about sharing knowledge and knowledge transfer um, I was originally a flower grower in Northern Ireland before moving over to Scotland and I had experience and help through flower groups there. I was involved in setting up the NI and Flower and Foliage Association at that time and we were also very fortunate as growers there that we had support through um, Greenmount College, the local agricultural college there who had a cut flower advisor. So I was very used to meeting up with other growers of sharing information, knowledge, not only on mark, maybe not you know, you know, in different markets, but very much on growing knowledge, and that's something at the minute I feel we lack in Scotland. But as a as a group, we're say we're very much in our infancy, but that is one of the directions where we're looking to take and uh, and bring bring folk together and and talk about our you know, growing challenges and marketing challenges, etc. In a way, from certainly looking at it from my perspective. 
as a flower growers group, you've kind of taken it to the next level. There are lots of groups that work together, producers. You know, we've, we see the Scottish uh, Cold Press Rapeseed Oil Group as an example. They've worked together in the past. We've, we're talking later in this episode about um, apples and cheese. But actually, you guys have almost taken it a step further because you've created your own brand. You know, you've got branded vans and stickers that go on the produce that's really kind of quite consumer-focused. Why did you decide to do that? And what, what benefits have you seen of doing that? It's a bit like, almost like the red tractor mark, you think, for your food. Well, you know, they can look at that and they know that's quality assurance. Even though it's not under insurance scheme, if we can get that logo out there, they, they instantly recognise they're buying a local product. It's flowers grown in Scotland and just that simple message out there. And for us all then to sell that message and I say it just makes it easier for everybody to get that message out there altogether. It sounds great but working together isn't always that easy is it? Everybody's got their own business to run as well. Uh, I know you've been facilitated a lot by Amanda at SAOS and by other people. Um, How has that facilitation helped you to get through any challenges that you've faced as a group? Uh, I don't think the group would exist without that help. We're all busy growers. A lot of us are female growers as well. And we're also juggling young families and businesses and other farm work and getting the time to do these things. But having a facilitator or somebody in place to help coordinate those things, trying to push on our aims and our objectives, uh, it's, it's invaluable. And it's something that we hope we can continue to get support. And another thing of being a group of growers together and hopefully we continue to support is actually to have that voice into government uh, to say that this is an industry in Scotland and um, so if we can keep the profile of that up and then hopefully we continue to get that support. So if we were having a conversation again in five years time say about flowers grown in Scotland and the way in which you work together and the successes that you've achieved what would you hope to be saying to me in five years? We're still very much a seasonal industry here. So um, I think definitely through the months of, you know, from April through to October, there is very much the potential if folk learnt about seasonality, you know, they can't expect to have, you know, a peony rose at Christmas, but they can have them between, you know, June and August. Likewise, daffodils in the spring and tulips and things like that. And over the winter months, you can change to, you know, harder foliages and things like that there. It would be lovely possibility to get even, say, 50-50 in flowers. But it's a a huge task for flowers, uh, certainly, but it's very much possible with the education of the consumer. I've been inspired by your group and I've got tulip bulbs ready to go in and I'm going to grow a few, try and grow a few peonies next year. So what would your message be? I mean, I'm just going to be doing it for a hobby, but what would be your message to anybody who's thinking, do you know what, like even on a small scale, maybe I could be a commercial flower grower? Yep, the work, you, there's a huge variety of crops that you can grow. I think, you know, ourselves, we've kind of, we might grow a hundred different varieties of things, but you could specialize and just grow one thing pick and I would say the main thing is pick something you enjoy growing there's been many a crop we have tried and we've realized you know what we don't like this <laughs> so we, it just gets pulled out and we, we don't grow it anymore so yes grow what you enjoy growing and find your market as well I mean that could be just 
sales to your friends and family. It could be, you know, at your road end, it could be at farmers markets, or it could be direct to supermarkets, like some of our members, you know, selling um, billions of stems nearly, you know, direct to supermarkets, you know, is there's huge opportunity. And there's something for everyone really in the industry at all levels. Quite right, quite right. So yeah, anybody can just Google flowers grown in Scotland, and they'll find the website because I did. So thank you very much for your time. I'll let you get back to it now. uh, But I really appreciate it. For the second part of today's episode, we are at Meginch Castle in the rain, but we're actually dry because we're huddling up in the Koori house with a lovely cup of mint tea and some homemade chocolate brownies. We're continuing the chat about uh, working together as sector groups and the benefits that and maybe challenges that that delivers. Hello, my name's Catherine Drummond-Herdman and I was born and bred here at Meginch Castle, which back in the 18th century, 19th century, was the heart of Scottish apple production with thousands and thousands of orchards. And we're within the walled garden and we've got hundreds of different varieties of cider apples and also eating apples and Scottish apples and pears. My name is Jane Stewart. I am from Fallside Farm Pit and Weem. We are dairy farmers and cheesemakers uh, just above Anstruther in Fife. And we run a company called St Andrew's Farmhouse Cheese Company set up to, to make artisan cheese using the milk from our cows on the farm. Can you recall how long it's been since the Cheesemakers Group first started and perhaps tell us a little bit about the journey that it's been on up to now? It must be three or four years ago that we actually started. The main reason for getting together was collaboration for marketing of our products because I think anybody who produces anything for sale knows that one of the one of the hardest things and the thing that you have to work on all the time, no matter how long you've been in business, is sales. Promoting your product or products to the public so they don't forget about you. And a group together, marketing, is you would think going to have more clout than uh, individuals. And so that was the main reason for for setting up and getting together. Cheesemakers in Scotland are a small elite group. <laughs> I like to think it's quality, not quantity. Yeah. Um, there's probably only about 10 of us who are really active. But between us, we produce almost every type of cheese that you could imagine. And so in Scotland, we can offer a superb range of cheeses to suit every taste. And the whole idea about getting together as a, as a group is to shout about that and help to get that message out there. Do you feel that, that since it started, I suppose there are, there are two potential benefits. One is, is sales. Um, and the other one is maybe sort of support and knowing that everybody's gone through similar challenges and you can support each other. So do you feel as though you've witnessed and experienced benefits in, in those areas? I think meeting and getting together is good. I mean, you can always lift the phone and that is that is good as well, just to speak one on one with each other. But I think possibly the opportunity to get together and learn is good. To an outsider, there could be a bit of surprise because people might think, but you're all producing cheese. So surely, you know, when it comes to getting people to eat it, you want people to eat your cheese and not other people's cheese. And that there could be sort of a competitive element to it. But I remember speaking to another of the the cheese members, Jill from Connage Highland Dairy, and she said to me, oh, but Anna, she said... I just want more people to eat more cheese and I want them to eat more of all types of cheese. And if they eat my cheese too, then so much the better. But we've got to be in this together. And, and I guess that's, that's one of the, the reasons why working with others is, is beneficial. But have you noticed any kind of competitive element in the group at all? Hmm. 
Um, yeah, I think there is a competitive element. Everybody obviously wants to shout about their own cheeses, and and so there is an element of that. But but we're all making cheeses that are different. I mean, even in the UK as a whole, if you think about, for instance, cheddar. Now, cheddar is such a common cheese. We're practically all brought up in cheddar. It's just about the generic name for cheese in, in the UK. Mm. But if you line up half a dozen different cheddars all made in, in the UK, they will all be different. And you could actually have a cheese board of cheddar alone. With cheese, you have terroir, and you have the animal that the, that the milk comes from, the different individual cheesemakers, the way they make it, the diet, etc., which contributes to the end characteristics of that product. And so I don't think that, that competition between each other is really part of it. It's all, it's all about the differences between the, each cheese, and these cheeses are all complementary to one another and can all be enjoyed. So I like to think that, therefore, we can all benefit from each other because we're all producing, even if it's the same style of cheese, we different. Uh, so Catherine, we, we're actually physically surrounded by your orchard at the mm. moment and you were explaining that you've got a huge number of different varieties of, of apple. I suppose with apples there's the potential for eating apples, there's apple juice and there's cider so that mm. kind of adds a different dimension. Um, but do you find it's the same actually within your group that it's about collectively encouraging the population to enjoy Scottish apples in whatever form yes. that takes? Yes, I think that is the main thing is to get the fact to get it out there that we can grow Scotland's, we can probably grow all of Scotland's apple needs in Scotland uh, to get people realising that and to eating Scottish apples and uh, looking for brand um, grown in Scotland, Mark. And interestingly, with the group, it, so it's exactly the same, Jane, as you were saying. So there's the, I feel very strongly a group is, is better and stronger than individuals and we're very much... Um, uh, believe in collaboration and not competition and as you say you pointed out the terroir every apple is going to taste slightly different depending where it's grown it depends what it looks like as well depending where it's grown and the more people you have in a group up to a certain level you're going to have more ideas and it's just going to be really uh, interesting and you're going to be able to push the group forwards and raise the profile of uh, your product. Gosh, you said something really interesting in the beginning of that, um, that there was potential for Scotland's apple producers to meet Scotland's apple eating needs. So that's possible. If, if the, with I, I with collaboration, yeah. every apple... I am actually a bit of an apple obsessive. I have about three apples every day. But all of those could come from Scotland. I, I believe, the right they, I believe yeah. they could. And I think that was one of the initial thoughts I had, is that I would like Scotland to be self-sufficient in its apple production. So building up the orchard with all the different varieties... I wanted to sh- I wanted to be um, experimental here so that Megan so that people could come farmers can come and they can see that you can grow apples and also that then you can um, then of course the key thing is that um, so Amanda at SAOS said the key thing is you need to be able to sell them sell your product so up until perhaps about four or five years ago because with apples you've got a much longer lead-in time for growing because an apple from planting, from deciding on your variety to actually harvesting, you've probably got a minimum of three years. So it's quite a long time to yes, think about it. Yes. And uh, Amanda instantly was on onto the fact that you've got to, you know, where is your market? Mm. And that's what we have slightly been struggling with because there hasn't been a market for specifically Scottish apples. Similar to the flower growers, mm. 
there hasn't been a mindset amongst the Scottish population of seeking out Scottish apples or, or Scottish flowers. Whereas I suppose the cheese mindset amongst Scottish producers, not everybody buys Scottish cheese, I wish they would. But I suppose the mindset's been there for a little bit longer, Jane, that, that people have been a little bit more conscious of buying Scottish cheese. Well, it's comparatively recent in, in the form of cheese for Scotland as well, because I would say it's only in the last 20 years or so that has been a resurgence in making something with that milk rather than just selling it as liquid milk. You know, 20 years is a comparatively short yes, time yes. as well. So there has been a, a resurgence in, in, in Scottish cheese making, of which we are part of that. And, and so we've been making cheese for 14 years. So there's now more diversity and, and more selection of cheeses in Scotland than there ever was. Um, and, and that's great. That's what we want. Um, but uh, it's, again, fairly, fairly new. I would mm. say, you know, 30 years ago, there wasn't that no. variety. But then if you go back... 50 years, 80 years to sort of grandparents' time, it was very common. Every farm, perhaps, that had that had dairy would make something with it and, and farmhouse cheeses were part of that and each farm would have its own peculiar cheeses that they made that were obviously just uh, eaten in a very small area around about compared to the sort of national marketing that we look for nowadays but there was yeah. nevertheless there was that farmhouse cheese making then mm-hmm. and in fact the cultures that that, that are certainly that we use that, that I use in, our, in my business for our cheese are derived from cultures that came from farms that were making cheese in the 1920s and 1930s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's interesting. So it's actually yes. not really a new thing. It's a full circle. We just come yes, full circle. Yes, there was a, maybe a gap not a new idea. It's, come round again. it's just realising yes. that this is good. This is what we should be doing, and it's just come full circle. Yes. that's the same with the apples. Then, so we lost all the horticultural knowledge mm. by the 1960s. There was nobody around that had seen apples grown on a large scale, and most of them have been grubbed up. And that's it. We've just lost it. So that's a good, you know, it's it, it's a good 60 years now. Mm. Um, and the same sort of thing. So in fact, there's been a silver lining with COVID. It's forced people to stop and think more locally what your production is locally and what you can get locally. And of course, food traceability. You don't know what something is if it's from miles and miles away, whereas you know exactly where your cows and people will have driven past your cows. And um, as with the flower growers, they will have, you know, seen all the flowers growing and thought, actually, that's where my my flower's coming from. Yes. So, Jane, you know... um, have you noticed a benefit since joining the group in terms of sort of awareness? I mean, awareness doesn't always lead to sales. We know that. But we want to get people talking, don't we? That's kind of one of the reasons why we're here today. We want to get people talking about Scottish cheese, Scottish flowers, Scottish apples. Do you think that that's going in the right trajectory? Yes, I think it's, it definitely raises awareness. It causes interest and um, you get some media interest and you get people who are sitting up and taking notice who wouldn't have noticed if we were trying to market on an individual basis. Of course, we all market individually as well, but but collectively, um, there is a difference there. It does help to get the word out, yes. Mm-hmm. Same with you, Catherine. Are you finding your the group is... How, how long has Apple's group been in existence? So we've, it's been a while. So we start... The, the interest in the Kasagari and orchard growing started in 2008 with the biodiversity at the time was uh, very much on the political agenda then mm-hmm. and the group I set up the group probably 2010 and then yeah. a few people were starting and then it's really helped SAOS we had uh, Douglas Watson many yes. years ago and he uh, was full of encouragement and kept me at it chipping away because it's been quite a long long journey and but suddenly I would say in the last five years 
things seem to have mm. snowballed. Do you think the public are starting to set up and take a bit more notice of, of provenance when it comes to apples? You know, there are certain things that many of us would walk into a shop and seek out Scottish, you know, Scotch beef is probably one example. But do you think we're starting to seek out Scottish apples as well? Um, I think it's much slower. I think the cider makers have really pushed forward the idea of Scottish apples. Yes. But we really need a mark to make sure that um, Scottish cider means what it says on the outside. So it could be Scottish made cider, but the apples or the concentrate could come from Herefordshire or even Mexico and France and places. So I think it's... It's important that the customer knows what they're buying, and that's our next um, target to work towards. Yes. We need and we want to mention SAOS today because I think they've played a critical part in all three of these groups. Uh, And in fact, I was listening back to the the episode that we did with East of Scotland Growers, and somebody said, you know, we wouldn't be talking to you now if it wasn't for SAOS, Mm. because actually working together isn't always that easy is it really you know the idea of it is easy but the practicality isn't always easy um so jane maybe coming to you first how how have you found it in terms of having saos there to help facilitate the progress that you've you've made as a group i think you're absolutely correct there anna i think that we are all so busy with the day job of actually running our businesses making the cheese which is all consuming, I have to say, and, and is a, <clears throat> a seven day a week thing um, that, that takes up, it t- certainly it takes up all my time. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. But. <laughs> and so to actually get together and make it happen and make the collaboration happen, in my view, it just wouldn't, wouldn't happen if we didn't have somebody like the SAOS uh, to actually get in touch with us all, um, do the round robin emails, get everybody motivated to come to a meeting, book venues for us, this kind of thing, and be that central point of contact. Uh, it just would fade totally because you need you need that um, to help you, uh, definitely. Yeah, in case you hear snorting in the background, by the way, it's not Dave, the producer, it's um, actually the dogs. Vermin control. <laughs> they're they're, oh, they're trying to find better. mice. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> and I suppose as well, you know, SAOS have got expertise as within their team a huge amount of expertise so if there is an embryonic idea out there of of somebody wanting to work with others in their sector they've they know how to do it because they've done it before and it's and they know how to get the best out of a group of people mm. um and i suppose if you could for a moment combine a dose of realism with the dose of dreaming mm. if we're back here talking to you in five years time what will we be saying, do you think? <laughs> so how much apple juice are you making and selling and how many more growers are there and what is the Scottish uh, consumption of cider and Scottish-grown cider? What constitutes a grower? Because presumably we, you're, t- you're talking about small, medium and large scale. Mm. You know, I have six apple trees in my very mini orchard, mm. but what would I need to, be- to do to become a grower and be sort of earn my place yeah. in your group, as it were? I think so early on, so Crispin Hayes, uh, he runs an environmental consultancy business and he did a survey, uh, the Orchard Revival um, survey, um, seeing, and we had an early meeting trying to work out what was an orchard. And we decided then that it's anything over five trees. Oh, that means um, I'm in. So you are in. Yay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and presumably then you, you can start small as well. I Maybe in theory, tell me if I'm wrong, I could start by 
sending my daughters to the end of the farm road and getting them to sell the apples to passers-by, which we actually did with eggs in mm-hmm. lockdown. And then it, it can grow beyond that. So you, we could make apple juice Absolutely, and go to the yes. farmer's market. Or Actually, there is a thing. We live very close to Thistley Cross mm-hmm. Cider, and there, they often have a thing where you can take your apples to them Absolutely, if you've got excess. Yes. And so even if you can't consume them all yourself, you're at least contributing to the Scottish cider industry, which I think is fantastic. But I suppose it's it's maybe don't be daunted because actually you could be quite small scale and still become a yeah. member of, of the Apple Group oh, absolutely. and contribute yes. to this goal, which actually I'm feeling very enthused about, about you know, let's that's not great, be yeah. importing our apples from elsewhere, yeah. let's eat Scottish apples. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's fascinating. Jane, a kind of similar question to you, you know, combining hope and reality, um, where do you see the Cheesemakers Group and your collective efforts going you know, in, into the future? Well, I think there's there's various levels of ambition between uh, the different members of the group. Um, some of them are just content to make what they make, and and that is good and very commendable. And why not? And others of us are are, are ambitious ambitious to grow as far as it, as far as we can. So I suppose five years from now, my vision would be that Scottish cheese is much better known internationally, not just nationally, but nationally as well. Because actually, England is a foreign country in some ways as well when it comes to trying to market your products. And I should also mention as well, when you're talking about collaboration, I mean, cross collaboration with other products as well. I mean, cheese and apples go well together. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, and cheese and chocolate, so I'm told, and uh, yeah, apples and everything. Yeah, it's, I know it's, it's really, really interesting. But thank you again for, for taking part. And um, as always, if you're listening to this, please share it with somebody else so that they can listen too and will gradually expand the people who are hearing these great messages. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me and uh, eat more cheese. (laughs) I will. I don't need any encouragement on that front. (laughs) Okay, so now I'm hungry for cheese and apples. And to be honest, I think my kitchen would look all the better for a bunch of uh, flowers grown in Scotland. Um, Huge thanks to all of our brilliant guests this episode. Thank you also to SAOS. We'll finish up as we have been doing recently with two last things. Um, we'll get to our podcast recommendations shortly but first of all a wee reminder that the On Farm podcast is made each week by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing we are always passionate about telling Scotland's food and drink stories so do come and talk to us if you have any marketing or communications needs because we're always happy to have an informal chat Finally, though, um, apart from On Farm, of course, another podcast we'd like to recommend to you this time is called Scran, and it's presented by Rosalind Erskine. And it's a podcast all about celebrating Scottish food and drink from the Scotsman newspaper. So I think its aims are pretty much uh, on a par with ours. So do check it out and um, we will see you next week for another episode of On Farm.